Hi, I'm Lucas James. And I'm Jordan Ross. And we're the co-hosts of How to Scale an Agency. After scaling our own agencies to over $185,000 per month in sales and working with agencies doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue like Hawk Media and Neil Patel, we've made this show to interview the top digital marketing agency owners and highlight the fastest ways to scale your agency. If you'd like to join the best digital marketing agency community on the planet and let us help you scale, go to agencygo.io to sign up today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How to Scale an Agency. I'm on with Michael Cordovani. He's got a company called SemNexus. They've been able to scale their mobile app development for startups at a quick pace and have been doing it for about five years. We were catching up beforehand on his growth and sharing war stories since we've both been through the good times before COVID and then actually ended up being good times during COVID for us as a growth perspective, but obviously rough all around in the economy. But, you know, lots to, lots to catch up on here. So thank you, Michael, so much for be on the show. appreciate it. Anytime, Lucas. Happy to be here. So, Michael, you can disclose as much as you want around this, but can you give a, a sense for kind of how scaled up your agency has gotten? Because obviously I know where you guys are at, but feel free to share kind of like ranges of like sort of how many clients you have. If you want to share revenue, that's always helpful, but just something because we want to get those, those perspectives for context for the listeners. So, whatever you're willing to share around how you guys have grown or what size you're at now, mm-hmm. would be really helpful. Oh, yeah. Total open book. So, Actually, on the topic of COVID, before COVID, we were very small. It was me and one other guy. And we were doing like five-digit monthly revenue, really just bad, 20K-ish. Immediately after COVID, we lost so many, almost all of our clients. But then very shortly after that, with everything going online, you know, the industry as a whole, I'd like to think, boom, just like it did with you. Right. Uh, Now, we are at... You know, we have like 30 to 40 clients revolving in and out between the development and that marketing. We have about 17 people working at the company full-time between our New York City office and also our developers. And we are chilling at about 2 mil in trailing 12-month revenue at this moment. Now, hopefully someday soon, it'll be even higher, but that's where we're currently at. That's fantastic. And I want to picture this people because I want people to understand like how quickly their life can change. So you were saying you guys were doing this low five digit sort of revenue and then you grew to where you're at now. Was that like a factor of three, four, five X? It was like 10 X literally within a year over. I have a chart somewhere where it just shows like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we just kept blowing out expectations every month. So we were going yeah. like, from 20 K we wanted to hit 25 K next month. We ended up doing like 33. In the next month, right. we wanted to hit 40. We ended up doing 50. It was literally a factor of you know, 5 to 10, going from 20K in monthly revenue to over 100K in monthly revenue within a year. That's fantastic, man. I mean, it's really cool to hear that. And it does really highlight that so much can change so quickly for people. But there, you know, there's two things I typically see when people grow that fast. One, they grow too fast without having the experience, so then they end up losing a lot of it, but you had three and a half, four years of experience beforehand. So you already had built up a lot of that to be more prepared. So what did you do to sort of prepare yourself for scale to put yourself in that position to actually be able to grow? Oh, that's a good question. We were not as prepared as I wish we were. (laughs) We would be be so much bigger if we were. (laughs) So did your best though, sounds like. Exactly. Look, when we all make mistakes as we go. And um, though we had our operations prepared for dealing with five, maybe 10 clients at most at any given time, not for dealing with 30. 
So a few people dropped off initially because the quality of work did suffer. We fixed it. We, we kind of went as we go, I guess how you have to do it in this industry or in any uh, startup, you kind of just learn how to deal with the scalability as you're scaling. And it's extremely stressful, but it's also really right. fun. There are very real consequences, but all the same, uh, we kept growing at a rate that kind of outpaced the loss and we kind of learned how to mitigate the losses. So we retained customers much better recently than we did during that growth spurt. What caused that growth spurt? Was it just COVID or was it something you were doing differently that allowed you to grow that quickly? Uh, so here's the deal. Right around the time that COVID happened, I had just come up with uh, this like divide and conquer strategy, which I'd be happy to get into on this on this podcast, by the way. Yeah, yeah, of course. Let's do it. Uh, and basically went all in. So here's how this worked. I picked a niche, right? I picked way back yeah. when I picked mobile app marketing, which... Now is kind of a saturated niche, but I would encourage any of your viewers and listeners that are uh, to look around and, you know, we all are digital marketers here. We all know our, how to do our research. Find a niche that is small, as small as possible. Right. Uh, within a small niche, it, it's much better to be a big fish in a small pond than the reverse. Basically, it starts with, once you have that niche, it starts with looking up all the relevant keywords within it and finding all the various different review platforms there. So what we did was... We listed out all of these different review platforms, all 10 of them that showed up on the front page for any relevant search term. And all of them can be bought, whether, you, whether anyone knows that or not. So it was extremely stressful to do this at that time. But basically, I had invested everything. At that moment where we lost all of our customers, right when COVID hit, I was like, something's got to fucking give. We, got, we need more customers right now. I took all of our budget and put it into marketing budget and used it to buy sponsored placements on every single review platform within our niche and fairly decent space placements. They didn't have to be number one on anything. It was just, we had to be everywhere at some degree. And then to compound on that also bid and really aggressively on Google ads using right. that as support. Like we found that if you're just doing Google ads, it doesn't really convert really well because people are shopping around but now you're, the whole shopping around thing is working in your benefit because right. they see you, they back out, they go to the review platforms. You're not number one, but you're number three or four. Back out, go to another one, another one, same deal everywhere. Then they go back to you and see another ad about you. I don't know, I'm just making up this funnel, but we basically just followed that to a T and just kept ramping it up and reinvesting whatever money, additional revenue that we made in each one of these months that we were growing back into this. So we were yep. spending like 20, 25% of total revenue on marketing at one point, which is right. absolutely not sustainable. Way <laughs> you know, it's it's so funny, man. That's the exact same strategy we did to hit roughly the same amount. Like we 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 sort of peaked at $200,000 per month in sales. And then mm -hmm. we sort of have leveled out around like 150. And part of the reason was because the moment I knew I could take a management exit, I was like, deuces and so i just handed <laughs> everything over to my uh <laughs> i i was just like i don't want to be doing this anymore i want to build software and so mm -hmm. i just spent you know 16 hours a day for 18 months just teaching myself software development and going ham right now that obviously like was the, like if we had kept that going i know for sure we would be at 320 400,000 a month right now but i wouldn't be happy because mm -hmm. i would not have had a software now i have a software lots of people are on it but I also have an agency that's doing well enough to support this endeavor, right? So like, it is really interesting though, the whole like strategy of spending so much on marketing though. And I am curious, like, uh, is that, 
have you seen your competitors being able to get cheaper CPLs though? Because like one thing that I've noticed recently because I've done so much social is I was kind of blown away with how much cheaper these meetings could be because I was spending the exact same amount of money. If we did, you know, $200,000 per month in sales, we might spend like $40,000 or $50,000 on advertising Mm -hmm. to get enough meetings to sustain that, right? And we were still profitable, but like it was definitely a lot of money on ads. And then now we're getting it for like 10x cheaper because we've gone full full SEO, full social, as well as Google ads and that kind of stuff. So I'm curious if that's something that's been on your mind about like trying to find ways to reduce that, or if you think you can keep pumping it up higher and higher and it's not going to cause an issue. We definitely scaled back on ad spend overall. You know, growth is still a priority, but maintaining a net of profitability, I learned after a few bad months is definitely important too. In terms of what we're doing, I actually think that our CPL is lower than our competitors. The reason for this is because I see what our competitors are bidding on. A lot of them are going for really high. Very few of them are going for an SEO play. You got to understand everyone within our niche is you can't rank organically because the review platforms are all on the front page. You're not going to be anywhere close to it. Social, it can be done. I do not know how to, maybe I'm just not good enough in terms of lead gen for an agency on social, but I haven't been able to generate leads for an agency through something like organic social media posts or influencers or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. However, very specific forms of ad campaigns have worked by kind of going broad, right? Like we don't really bid very aggressively on the super high funnel keywords. We set up smart goals on our website so that Google can track an engaged user better than a regular user. And also we have another conversion goal for when someone actually books an appointment. And we have a very CPA oriented campaigns and like 10 different campaigns with very broad structures and a lot of negative keywords. So we found taking a very automated approach with Google and not really going for that number one or number two position, but consistently landing about like number three or four everywhere has been definitely more cost effective because our competitors are probably spending like 50 bucks a click and we're definitely spending less than that. That's super interesting. But I do wonder though, not not on the CPL side, but do you feel like there's a certain point, because this happened for me, and that's why I'm curious because our stories are very similar. Do you think there's a certain point when you're growing your agency where you feel like, okay, this is enough. Like I can go into harvest mode now, start focusing on these kind of dream projects. And the difference between making like $200,000 per month and $400,000 per month is definitely interesting. But at the end of the day, I still have an asset that's valued at 1X revenue typically or maybe 1.2 if I'm lucky. And if I have a SaaS or like a course or an e-commerce product, it can be valued at three to 10 times to 50 times your revenue. Do you see it like that? Or did you kind of reach a point? Or do you feel like there's just as much opportunity still on the agency side as there is on the SaaS? I'll be honest. I've never cared about the money or the valuations or anything like that. I just want to lead a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger company. There's no amount of scale that I would be unhappy with. There is no point where I would just be like, okay, let's just focus on profitability or let's pivot completely off of the agency. Uh, The agency is definitely always going to be a priority for me, no matter how big the software gets, unless it gets to the point where their software is just like, forget about valuations, just straight up revenue, completely outclassing the agency where Santa Sunset it. Hi, this is Lucas James. Are you struggling to get meetings booked with potential prospects for your agency? I'll tell you what, when I first started, I had the same issue, but I was able to A-B test hundreds of different variations of copy on multiple channels and figured out a secret formula to convert anyone from anywhere into taking a meeting with me. I've mastered this approach and now my agency, Twiz, books meetings on autopilot. 
Last year, we booked 1,731 meetings, closed 234 accounts, and generated $1.72 million in revenue. I want the same thing for your agency, so I've decided to give away some of my best performing outbound copy scripts for free. That's right, absolutely free. If you want to transform your business for free, go to agencygo.io forward slash leads to get your free lead scripts today. That's agencygo.io forward slash leads. Now back to the show. You're you're just as passionate about basically growing the agency and seeing it continue to scale, basically. I drink the Kool-Aid. I, I really believe in what I preach and what I sell. I believe that yeah. you should reinvest as much as possible into growing your company because that's the dream, right? It definitely is. It definitely is. So how do you grow it now from you know, wherever you're at now in terms of revenue to 10x that on a monthly basis? Like if the if you do grow it over time, where do you see those opportunities now? Well, what I've found is, you know, the issues are no longer getting more leads. They are no longer yeah. even about getting those leads in a cost-effective way. The issues are centered around automation and uh, internal processes and having the right staff. So I am really right now focused on basically getting to the point where the things that I used to take care of can be taken care of by people that I sincerely trust. And I'm really getting close. And once that happens again, I think that we're back on the path where we can just start ramping up ad budget. But right now it's about building out, uh, completing to build out the staff to a point where everything just runs like a well-oiled machine. Right. Let's talk about that, the SaaS product though a little bit, because I know that that's something we touched on earlier and a lot of agencies listening to the show want to build SaaS products. I'm also going to then ask you after this question about um, the whole no code movement, because so many agencies are doing that. And I'm sure it's at least, it's at least coming up on your radar. If you guys aren't doing it as already, I'm sure maybe you've heard people talk about it or, or seen it online. So I, first of all, I'm curious, what is it that you're building? Can we talk about that a little bit? And what, what, what it was the opportunity there, basically? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you. So we're building Ads Capsule. Uh, now, what this thing does is that it is an automated reporting, cross-platform reporting and management fee collection platform. And what this means is that instead of having to load up a Google Sheet and exporting your data from this platform and this platform and this platform, feeding it into that sheet and shooting it out to your client per week to show performance, or instead of having to read into all of your clients' campaigns and seeing how much was spent in that month, and then taking your management fee and multiplying that by the spend, maybe it's 10%, and then invoicing your clients individually 10% of each campaign spend over the course of the month. You can instead just use the software. What it yeah. does is that your client's card is linked up to it. All of the different ad networks are linked up to it. And what it will do is that it will just automatically collect your ad management fee based on the amount was spent. So if your management fee is 10% and the client had spent throughout all the platforms you're using together, $500, it will collect $50 for you. If you wanted to manage the client's whole budget, it can actually collect the whole 550 and just deduct your management fee and store it in a digital wallet. We found that to be very effective for the smaller clients that don't want to put their credit card on multiple different platforms and they want a fully automated solution. That's basically the product. It's really all about automating your, your workflow as much as possible between billing, reporting, clients, being able to see things more transparently, et cetera. I'm calling it right now on the show. 
I think this is going to be huge. And I think the reason why it's going to be huge is because, uh, Michael, you've mentioned that you're, you're focusing on things that are, that are niche. And I think a lot of people nowadays are quoting Alex Hermosi, and I certainly have been listening to a lot of this stuff. Obviously, he says like the, the riches are in the, the, the niches. And I, I don't know if that's the first person to ever say it, but it's something that I hear a lot from him. And uh, I've definitely seen that too. And you know, for me, it was always a trade-off where I was like, I don't want to be niche because I'm not going to get enough sales. But now that we've crossed like that $2 million in sales mark, what we really want to aim for is we want to be 10x better than the best company in that space. That's like our ultimate goal because that's where all the profit is. Because at the end of the day, like when you grow to around that $2 million mark, you really start to get saturated in the market because there's alternatives. There's like, com com you could become commoditized, right? And so I think what's so interesting about your approach and this, this theme I'm hearing from this entire interview is that you've seen that from the beginning. And that's why you had, you're able to do that 10X growth was because you had perfected this process for a niche and it may not have originally had a lot of rapid growth, but then it just took off because you became the de facto person in the space and you could very likely defend that profit advantage because now you have systems that maybe you, you spent so many years building that if other people want to become that leader in that space would be difficult for them. And so that with is, this ad capsule thing, it's similar, you know, similar thought process. That is exactly correct. Yes. Uh, and just to really kind of reinforce the point you were making earlier, trying to be involved in every niche, like right. that is the biggest red flag. If, if someone tells you I can do anything, what they're yep. really telling you is like, yeah, I can outsource anything for you. So, right. uh, <laughs> and, and it also, I mean, it depends too, because it's not even just like, so I think this is the thing a lot of people get tripped up on, especially people listening to the show. Like they think that they have to pick a client niche or a service niche, or sorry, that they have to pick a, a client niche. Like I'm only going to work with doctors, right? That's like mm -hmm. a lot of times people think that, or I'm only going to work with this one person. My opinion, you have to pick something. So there's companies I've interviewed who do like $54 million a year in revenue all they do is a very specific kind of lead gen, but they, they do do it for multiple kinds of people, but they only do lead gen. They don't do anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key is you have to have like something that can be productized that is unique enough to where you can scale it to tens of millions of dollars in revenue where you don't lose that profit advantage at scale. Right. I'm, I'm sure you probably see it the same way, but I do also want to ask about the no code stuff really quick, just because a lot of agencies have been thinking about getting into bubble. And then even now Webflow is trying to add more like logic-based features into the development, even though I don't think it's very advanced at all. What are your thoughts on the no-code space? And if, if agencies should think about starting their own SaaS product now that it's easier than before? Here's the thing about no-code. You have beyond the frameworks that they provide for you, you have literally no customizability whatsoever. So yeah. This is a very real problem we've encountered with a lot of clients of ours. Since we do app marketing, a lot of clients do come to us, or not necessarily a lot, but a decent chunk of them do come to us with an app that they built on a no-code solution. And yeah. the problem there was, you know, let's say we needed to install some tracking software because without tracking software, we're blind. Uh, and one, the no-code solution didn't have anything natively integrated in terms of tracking. So yep. there was nothing we could do just by using their solution to see what's going on within the app. Furthermore, there was nothing we could do to actually edit the code because they didn't even have access to it. And ultimately we got in touch with the, with, I, I don't remember what software this is. I don't want to discourage right, right, right. any individual one, but we got in touch with customer support. And basically they said, if you want access to the code, 
to be able to change things manually, it will be $180,000, some ridiculous number, which has completely defeated the purpose of going down the no-code route. And we were just like, okay, so this, where are they going to go in blind or we're going to remake this for you? Because there's, just don't buy it this way. So it can be good for an MVP, I guess, but yeah, not for a real product. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, that's kind of how I see it too, is I kind of see it as this arc because we built our app on Bubble where either one of two things will become true. One, uh, the money that is being spent in the no-code space will eventually get the performance up high enough to where it is comparable. Uh, and that will, that will be a decisive moment at a certain point in the future. It probably will happen at some point. But I, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen in the near term, but it could be there maybe five to 10 years or if just an enormous amount of money keeps flooding into the space, that's another option. But the other thing that could happen, I think is just Bubble and these no-code tools just decide that they're going to stay within the constraints of being an MVP builder. They help software get to their first like million dollars in revenue. And then they create a really easy off-ramp to transfer all their data into a custom solution and then help people build custom tools. Because I think that's probably what we're going to do is we'll probably just end up pushing you know, our users into like a, a custom project at a certain point. But for now, yeah, it's so much cheaper and faster doing it, no code. But it, it definitely is for MVPs up to that first like 50 to $100,000 a month. I think, it's, I think it's the way for sure. I think we're pretty much on the same phase. I, I would personally rec or even professionally recommend pivoting off sooner before you even hit that amount because 50 to 100 grand a month on a product is it's amazing. That's a lot of revenue. Even once you're doing like, 10 grand a month, that would justify doing a custom-made solution. Especially because, again, you're not gathering as much data as you could. And what if your subscription rate is lower than usual and you don't even know, right? And instead of doing yeah. 100, you could do 150 just by having the right tracking software in place. Anyway, that's that's just my two cents. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I'm, I, it, it's really interesting. And I know uh, we're coming up on time here, but is there any... Any advice you have for the people listening to the show, uh, agencies listening to the show in terms of how to grow? Like if you were to grow 10 times more over the next 12 months, what would you do? Oh man, have the right systems in place. So, you know, the thing that really tripped us up when we were growing was that we didn't have concrete, scalable systems in place to handle things. So, you know, we used to have every campaign manager working on everything, which anyone who's working on a large enough agency knows that it's going to be a complete disaster. So <laughs> you literally just be ready to have either the organizational structure, whether it's documentation, readmes, being able to very quickly hire, onboard, and scale up and train somebody, being able to automate certain tasks, whether you're using software like Ads Capsule or uh, software like whatever it is that you're building and having staff that's ready for the scalability. All of this is definitely, definitely really important so that you retain all of that hard work because the worst feeling is that you make a bunch of sales and then the next month, everyone's pissed and they want to leave. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's definitely true. Making a world-class product is, is tough. It, it takes time. But thank you so much, man. And uh, what's the best step for people if they want to get in touch with you or they want to work with you? Is it just to go to semnexus.com? Is it to email you? What should they do? If you want to talk to the agency, semnexus.com. If you want to get on Ads Capsule, go to adscapsule.com. The first result on the Google search is actually not us. The second result where it says literally adscapsule.com is. And uh, yeah, honestly, either of those, fill out the uh, Calendly link, book a meeting directly with me. I'm always available. And I would love to have a conversation with any one of you. Man, well, I'm definitely going to sign this right now. I think a lot of people in the audience, just to be clear, guys, so you go sign up. I'm not affiliated with it right now. I'm not getting a cut on this, but I do 
uh, recommended for at least being involved in the early stages. Because if, if what they can do is, is, is achieved, it's pretty cool. I mean, I don't think anyone wants to manage their client accounts uh, manually when it comes to tracking spend. I mean, we do this right now and it's really annoying. So thanks for delivering the solution, man. Really appreciate it. And thank you for so much for being on the show. Thank you thank for you. the shout out, Lucas. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And um, any other time you want to talk, man, always available. For sure, man. Thank you.